We're back on the grind with Competitive Edge. The CSGO season has started up again after the player breaks. We got a lovely chance to see new rosters this past week at the Blast Fall Groups. They're going to be continuing next week. And then we get to see many of these teams again at EPL the week after that. So you can continue to look forward to this show. Again, it is brought to you by esportsbet.io. Head on over there now. Use our referral link to sign up. You'll get a 50% deposit bonus up to $200 using that link. And you can also Play along with DJT for free. Go join their Discord server, message the mods, get a little more DJT after your sign-up. You'll get DJT from logging in multiple days in a row. You can also get 50 DJT for every dollar of crypto you deposit, play in their World's Prediction Series, win real money for free that way. So whatever way you like to do it, esportsbet.io has you covered. And we are going to add our recommendations as usual by talking about the matchups on this show and on our watch parties on Twitch. Be sure to head on over to twitch.tv slash insight on esports in order to hear that content. Also subscribe to this YouTube channel for more. Please do that. Helps it us out a lot and it's free. So why not? Uh, you got lots of shows on here. Snake and banter by the numbers. More shows coming soon. It'll be fun. Um, so Let's talk about our performance last week, looking at the first round. Now, this was exceptionally difficult because we had no idea how many of these teams would do. So I figure... Yeah, first game for a lot of the rosters. <laughs> yeah, first game, yeah. uh, after the player break. So we're going to look at how we did and we're going to see talk about why things occurred the way they did and which teams you, Thorin, uh, think are worth predicting heading into this next round, which overperformed, underperformed, lived up to expectations, etc. So first off, as we take a look at this, we are going to see that, uh, you know, did lose out on big, even though hilariously they won they lost like 16-13 and 16-14 to Heroic. So nearly got the upset twice. We took a flyer on that one. It was 2.229. What did you think about the new Heroic roster and how they matched up against big? Yeah, the thing with that one is like, this is the reason, put it this way, I'm not sorry I predicted that. Remember, like that's a, that's obviously like a nail-biter game. And if you remember, Big were the ones that had the largest underdogs of all the realistic underdogs. It was like, yeah. as you said, it was like 2.29. So I think that was absolutely fine. Like if you watch the game, by the way, they were actually even in a winning position at one point in the game. It's just Heroic made a comeback and did some good players. So that's all good. Like the key point, which is why I actually analyzed it this way, is in my opinion, it's stylistically and map pool wise, these teams have overlap, which is why I thought it would be a close game. I actually think, spoiler, I may end up predicting big again this time. We'll see. <laughs> so I think that one was fine. And obviously, that was the only underdog I took a flyer on anyway. The other ones make a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, the next game that we didn't predict correctly was G2 uh, with their uh, new IGL against Team Liquid. Team Liquid still playing with Yakindar. So they've had a tournament under their belt with this roster, and they're looking to make things a little bit more long-term. They continue to win, so they they got the win over G2. They were underdogs by a little bit in that matchup. Still picked the favorites, still thought G2 would win. What was your impression of uh, G2 without Alexi B? Right, the main problem G2 has had, as you can see, was obviously closing games out. Like, they actually began the Liquid game in a pretty good spot. Like, both times they're in these games, but two problems happened. One... They haven't gotten, like, obviously closing the game out, their brand new lineup. And then, two, the other factor was JKS just wasn't that good in the first games. That's the problem. Like, he's obviously the player they're bedding in, the new player, aside from Hooksy, the IGL, they're bringing this guy in as well. And remember, he has been out of play since right. kind of eight, say, the last time yeah, he played yeah. was with Faze as a stand-in. And if you know the way they did it, this is another factor people forgot to think about. When Faze brought him in as a stand-in, one thing they actually said in their interviews and kind of eats, I thought was very interesting is, unlike usual stand-ins, that you, normally with a stand-in, your logic goes, right, 
right, well, you'll make the four that are the real four play normally, and then the fifth one just has to do what he can and kind of, like, try and help us. But, and in fact, the joke would usually be, like, just don't die, basically, if you can. What they did instead with J.K. in phase Faz, and I was intentionally, like, accommodate him and put him in spots he'd be comfy in. And you Got even it. had, like, world-class players taking different roles than they normally do. In this team, he isn't joining in that way. Like, he's joining to be a complementary <laughs> factor. So I also do think it's going to take some time to bed him in. He's not going to be amazing from gear one. And ring rust is a real thing. Like, think about how many months he's had off where he just hasn't played any official games. It doesn't matter how much FPL you keep up with and playing CS in matchmaking. That, that doesn't count for virtual play. So in my opinion, I would say I will expect G2 to get better. Like, in these best of threes, I'd expect them to be a little bit better. Like, you start to get into it. But I do think as a general sort of grade for the new G2 roster, it didn't look that great. wasn't bad. Not but encouraging. It didn't. Like, remember, the reason I picked them to win that, even though I could have gone with the underdog angle for the team looking one, is because I actually thought, what if they hit the ground running? The pieces are so exciting. G- uh, Nico Monacy, JKS coming in. Like, it, there's so much potential there, but I don't think it's actually flourished yet. Got it. Uh, now to the ones that were too successful in this past week. By the way, guys, uh, if you're doing the math, we were down less than 100 overall. So, I mean, it's pretty much a break-even week. Uh, we lost 900, but we were up, what, 400 Four sixty six point five to three thirty eight, so we were a little bit above eight hundred overall. So not not so bad. We'll try and actually go up this next week. Uh, we looked at NIP. Uh, NIP was a slight underdog versus Astralis. They ended up winning their first match and then losing the rematch uh, against Astralis. Um, but what was your takeaway from NIP? Because I guess Astralis ended up being a little bit more stronger than people expected. They ended up winning their group, beating the the new version of Vitalian OT, right? Uh, so was this uh, an overperformance by NIP at the beginning and Astralis getting back up to speed? Or what was your read on these two teams? Well, the weird thing is, obviously, if we're only looking at land tournaments, Astralis is in a good period, right? They just cracked that top four in Cologne. True, they did it in part because they played, like, not as great team. Mouse was the team they played in the quarters, etc. But if you finish that, it's the biggest place in the year. Now they win this blast group. The problem is, right after they won this blast group, they've just bombed out the RMR completely and failed round after round after round after round. So what this shows to me, basically, is like... As a team, they clearly aren't in like the strongest form. Like they've got it together on land at the moment. They're starting to get the pieces together. They're actually looking slightly better than I would have said they tracked for the last few months. The problem is I don't think they can go to the heights they had in Cologne, but they do look actually like they're a canny sort of side team. I still think, I mean, the rumours are obviously Device again that is in the news of maybe he's going to different teams. Now it might not even be Astralis, apparently. Apparently he's talking to a bunch of different teams out there. So I mean, obviously wait, wait, on, in a world on, where on. they got him back would be a big move. <laughs> what, what do you make about that? Because it seems actually insane to me that somebody would pay oh, so buyout for a player that they haven't seen play in a long time and the last time a buyout was paid for this player he didn't play for the team so like why the fuck is anyone thinking he's worth money right now can you explain this to me i can give you some angles there are pretty sweet it's not as crazy as it sounds like for example one thing a lot of people might not know who aren't big cs fans is device might actually be the most consistent star player in the history of cs go like and he has genuinely since 2014 and 2015 been really a world class and just continued every year now what's crazy is because he's not like simple and equal you don't think he's that good because you don't see him always at number one but like the joke is that he's always a top 10 player every sure. year like he's actually basically a player who as far as I can tell it, it's funny he has like a sports background people don't know in badminton and stuff he seems to have like the athlete's mindset like basically he knows how to put in the work to to be as good as he needs to be so first of all if there's any player could bounce back from eight months off he'd probably be your pick because his style seemed like it was so consistent his work ethic seems great if people don't know even I always say this as well a reason why I can give him a little bit of leeway with the break even is because if people don't know in the year 
years when Astralis was their most successful, he had a very similar injury and condition to Get Right, which is a sort of, it's like a type of digestive slash bowel problem where basically stress and food when you're on the road mm. just fucks you up and makes you feel terrible and you feel like... He was getting that while winning all the MVPs in tournaments. So again, if there's someone I would trust could come back from a state of being out and that injured and will still play... Like again, he's got essentially he's got a lot of factors that play in his favour in his history. So that's all great. And then finally, the last one I'll mention, obviously he wouldn't agree with this, but I'll say it. This <laughs> reminds me, Monty, there's a famous joke on last year's All-Star game in the NBA where what they do if you don't know in the modern All-Star game, because it got boring, is they let actually, the, they get picked two star players and then they pick like the playground, they, they pick a team and then you play against right. each other in the All-Star. Yeah, 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 so yeah. what they did, obviously, is every season, obviously LeBron's going to be one of them. They had LeBron and Kevin Durant with the two players picking the teams and the joke was LeBron intentionally refused to pick James Harden, who was Kevin Durant's teammate, until the very end to make him, so he'd have to pick it at the end, right? Because Kevin Durant was refusing to pick him because at the time, James Harden demanded a trade. So <laughs> what Kevin Durant was sort of doing was like, well, fuck you then. But the joke is, and they do at the end of the segment, this is why it was amazing. At the end of the segment, when the last player left is James Harden, he just goes to LeBron's team because he hasn't been picked. What they do is LeBron says like, but is he healthy though? I thought, he's, isn't he sat out at the moment? And then the joke Charles Barkley makes is, well, he's healthy now, isn't he? He's just been traded. So he'll just be rubbing some icy hot on that. That'll be in the next game. That's also how I kind of feel about this device scenario, if I'm being honest, Monty. Like, here's the thing. I've no doubt at the beginning, I mean, I've, I've heard some of it was to do with like, his relationship with that woman that's obviously now over and he obviously changed his mind about wanting to live in Sweden. I'm sure those factors did play into it. I'm sure this, like, illness he's had for many years and all the success he had played into why he might want time off. The problem is, though, I think that was mainly the first three to six months. I think the last few months were more like, I just don't want to play for NIP. I do, like, that's, that's why I tied it to that analogy. Right, so I get the vibe, once this deal is done, actually, magically, he won't need time off and he'll suddenly be in your team. And especially if you happen to be a Danish team, I'd imagine we'd just all go forwards and he's a player again. So I, I get what you mean, Mark. it definitely looks weird from outside, but I think it's actually like, there's sort of an, the, I think it's lasted too long, but there's a bit of leeway I can give all him right, on all that. Right, all right, all right. So there is a reason there's for a bit of leeway. Other, Yeah, exactly. It's not as bad as it looks. All right. Yeah, it's not so, as bad as it looks. So in terms of NIP, uh, was this kind of the form you, you thought you'd see them in? This group probably ended up being stronger than most people expected. Oh, for because, sure. you know, Australis and Vitality performed well, especially with Vitality's new roster. So uh, this ended up being a little tough. Is NIP still going to be a favorite heading through some of these uh, these gauntlet scenarios for the rest of the groups? The tough thing they're going to have, obviously, is I actually think they've got... Um, the second hardest of those little gauntlet type things, like the potentially have to play liquid and then heroic. Oh, well, you don't have to obviously win in that one. There's a third phase as well. Like it's, and it's a really weird thing. Where like the premise, Dude, the joke I... is, by the way, even though like you or me might design this for like a tournament because we would want the best teams to stay in. The real reason Blast has done this, boys, is to reward their partner teams by going, we'll give you like a billion chances to qualify. Like, <laughs> did you not make it? Have another chance. Like, it's almost like they're I going mean, out of their way to I, make sure I, Na'Vi, et cetera, I, make I, it. I actually, <laughs> I actually hate tournament formats like this. It's wild, because, isn't it? I know. Because... You basically see the most games from the worst teams. And because this is a two-week event, uh, and by the way, you know, then the fall finals are only one week long. So you Blast basically spends three weeks looking at the worst, like maximizing the number of games from the worst teams for one week of seeing the best teams. Now, I don't like to design tournaments that way. I like to get the shitters out as fast as possible and then have double elimination for the good teams, right? Um, but that's not how they're going to do things. So I guess we just have to live with this instead. <laughs> it's just like, it seems kind of ass backwards to me.
in terms oh, of it is. But, quality. But again, like I say, I, I imagine this was designed again to give like exposure yeah, to yeah, the worst of the partner teams <laughs> and give the calls of the world a chance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, to answer your question, basically the premise is even though they've got like a hard path, the good news is I actually think they'll match up with all those teams. Well, like Liquid and Heroka, right? Sort of in the same peer group and similar sorts of like strength of teams. So I actually think they've got a chance. They've got an outside chance to make it to the final still, I think. All right. The problem Nip has basically, I've noticed, is they they seem to hit a ceiling. Like they never really go to like true like championship contender. They're a good team and they can sort of be like quite canny against most squads, but they also do have these slip ups as well. Like they're, they're a team, for example, who will sometimes play to the level of the opponent, in my opinion. So that's why when I put them, if you notice, I have to pick them as an underdog. But in this particular case, I mean, they did win the opener, but they could also just lose to teams I think are maybe slightly worse. All right, final match that we talked about last week was uh, Vitality over OG. You predicted the new Vitality roster with the inclusion of Spinks winning. They did win, um, and they almost won the entire group. They took Astralis into OT. Was this the performance you expected, and is this the start of great things for Vitality? Yes, I think so. Bearing in mind, G2 and Vitality all year have been in similar sort of circumstances, even both sort of failing and not living up to potential, etc. I actually think of the two lineups, the Vitality one looks better. Like, basically, they were obviously only bringing in Spinks and they were removing Masuta. Like, on paper, it was more of a slam dunk, you know? I also think it's just worked out like that. Like, actually, Spinks looked pretty well integrated in the first games. Seemed like they gave him some spots and he was able to get some frags off. If you can have Spinks and Zewu be a good one-two pot, that's exactly what you got him in the team for. Because as I said previously... If you have like the Dupree's and the Magisks, but they only have to be your third and fourth best players, like that's already the makings of potentially a very good team if you can make it work. So I actually think, yeah, it's a very exciting prospect. I think the opening games all looked good. Matt Poole looked good. It actually looks like this could be the, even though it's one move, it can be the one move that puts everyone else slightly in the position they need to be and levels the whole team up potentially. I'm quite, quite excited for the Vitality prospects. So OG did play them like, kind of close they were at least 11 16 and like og didn't get to double digit rounds but to get to nine against astralis when you look at og is this approximately the level of performance you would expect from them probably gonna struggle to make it through uh the rest of this event i might have had maybe said that they would beat astralis if i'd have known they played in the law market then but even then i would say the problem og has is obviously they themselves are working with a newer roster and their roster all comes from like disparate teams it's not like there's not like a general like core that's played years whereas the good thing about the astralis team is they've sort of recently found their identity and i think they're a bit more consistent so certainly that was like there's a world they could have beaten astralis it's not i don't i think astralis probably is the slightly better team now all right well Let's talk about the upcoming groups. We're going to kind of talk about the entire of the three gauntlets um, just to preview things. Now, obviously, with potential upsets, people might change their mind. That's why you got to watch the watch parties in order to see what the predictions are going to be. If you want to follow along and get that advice uh, or Twitter, also great place to follow along with that stuff. Um, I, I have a lot of questions about these odds that we're going to talk about right here. And the first match is OG at 1.432 compared to 2.724 with complexity. Now, I know complexity beat a Navi team without simple, but they also played liquid 1614 before getting stomped by Navi on the rematch. Is it unreasonable? Like these odds seem kind of crazy for a team that performed relatively well. Like, why are they such big underdogs at 2.724? Is this just the name value of OG historically inflating these odds? Or do you really feel that the disparity between OG and complexity is that big at this event? 
Because here's the thing, it's not like the guys from Cole looked amazing or anything. I would say, unlike when they first made this squad before they got in Halzerk, they did look when they had Junior like they had no chance whatsoever in any of the games. I'm sure people made loads betting against them back then, and they were a team that just were sort of hopeless on land. Whereas now when they brought in Halzerk, not only is he a much better land opener than Junior was, but actually it seems like the rest of the teams that like gradually get into place, like actually like Floppy looks pretty good half the time, Fang seems all right. So I feel like they're starting to find an identity. The problem I have with that one is... The one over Na'Vi, I can't put too much stock in because that really was where they bring up the head trick guy from the academy squad. Sure. It's the first game, blah, 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 all the rest of it. They also got like slammed that. on the rematch, so... Yeah, they did, absolutely, of course. <laughs> but I, I see what you mean. There's definitely something there more so than before. They're not like just an empty seat put out with it. The problem is, though, it's like you say, to pick them to actually win the series, though, that's the issue. I can't believe they'll win a whole best of three on Lanks. Here's the problem as well, is like... I think if you look at it, I think in terms of raw firepower, the OG team is going to be better. I actually think Nexus style even is sort of more of like a fragging style of calling. So I, I would expect this will be more of like a DM. And I actually think the OG players win out in that regard. Okay. Well, we'll we'll go ahead and and pick OG again. Things have changed. It was only best of one. So there was more variance in this these first matches. So we are going to go ahead. Uh, let's put a thousand here onto OG. 1000 USDT. Generously provided or by esports bet to us. Uh, so, by the way, let me just throw in one more factor. Sure. Another thing that makes this particular tournament really tricky, in my opinion, is everyone who plays those first groups knows that even if you lose all your games, you cannot be out. Well, the problem with that is that's not pressure, is it? Now, listen, <laughs> obviously, you want to come first to get the better seeding sure, and stuff, but yeah. you can, if you are the teams like a call or in reverse, if you were one of the teams that finished last, like you could still, obviously, like NIP can still go through entirely. So I do think I mean, that might it, also. You can lose this whole event yeah. and still go to the showdown. So, <laughs> I mean, it, that's what's bad. Yeah. But so, so to me, I, I think that also might have given some of the underdogs a little bit more sort of wind in their sails, like, as it, it were. It's actually impossible to get eliminated from Blast, even if you finish in last place at this event. Because all you do is go to the go to the showdown later on and beat up on some you know questionably skilled qualifier teams. Yes, um, the joke is that if <laughs> like, like I say, if you understand that the customer of Blast is the team, this all makes perfect sense. It's, it's actually a great service they're offering in that regard. It's like if people know the reference back in the day, me and me and Richard on by the numbers used to make fun of Carmack so many times because famously Virtus Pro, that amazing Polish land team, right, used right, to be right, terrible right. online. And every dude, like every season of Pro League, they would always be in the relegation battle. And so what happened? I'm not joking. Is you don't you wouldn't believe how many times I'm. This happened three or four times, Monty. Coincidentally, Carmack and ESL decided to like change the relegation format for that season. And the joke was like, first it was like there was relegation matches instead, like you're likely relegated. Right, right. Then, then there was like, uh, then one team for the next season though didn't join, so then they had to have a playoff for that last spot that Virtus Pro was in. It's like the, the joke was they just kept designing ways for them to like be requalified. And I was like, Carmack, you may as well just give them like a wild card or something at this point. Mate. Like you obviously just want them in the tournament, do you? You ridiculous bastard. <laughs> I mean. Reasonably, I, I understand. No, I get it. Yeah. Like, I did as well, but it's just obviously the competitive integrity looks stupid to me. Like, I don't know. Um, okay, so they're they're going to be in a bracket with FaZe and Astralis. This looks pretty rough for the winner of this game. Now, FaZe did lose. Uh, they did lose in the finals to Heroic after beating them in the upper bracket final. And Astralis is sitting here after narrowly taking that win over Vitality. But I can't imagine that this final bracket is anything except for FaZe but Astralis. And Astralis I think that's right? just the, it's just FaZe in that one, yeah. I think and, FaZe is going to just get through no matter what on that one. Yeah, and FaZe should win this, right? 
Yes. Yes. Great. That, that's easy. That's easy. <laughs> Heading to the next match, uh, let's discuss the odds for G2 versus Big. This is going to be the closest one. G2 at one. This is the main one. This is yeah. the main one we have to Big discuss. Big at yes. 2.096. And you, you tried and almost successfully predicted the upset that Big was going to have in their first round of matches. And G2... Um, you know, losing the liquid, then losing to a simple list Navi is uh, not a great start for this new roster. Meanwhile, big, you know, they crushed, they crushed EG and uh, they narrowly lost to heroic two times. So big on paper, based on the results of this one tournament would seem to be the favorite. And yet numerically in terms of the odds, they are the underdog fair or not. Uh, I do think that the odds overall are fair. Like, I will say this. Obviously, it's like G2 only played those two maps, and it was the same map. Even It was just Mirage both times. It was close. So it's not like we have loads of data for G2. That's why it's tricky. The big side of it, like I said, they had close losses themselves, but actually looked like maybe better than their name value would be. The problem with this is like, I actually think they've also done a great job with the odds on this one. It's like I said about the G2 Team Liquid one. Yeah, if you yeah. really thought Liquid was like close, then it was right to take them at like two point something. But if you thought G2 was going to win, you also had brilliant odds. So I'd say the same thing again. Like If you actually think G2 does get it together and get better, 1.7 is amazing for a best of three from a team that could be top five of the world. But yeah. the problem is... 2.0 also as an underdog, pretty good fucking odds too. So my issue is this. I actually think if I set it up that I probably go with the underdog again, like I alluded to, I might go with big for this one. The reason why is I think I haven't seen enough from G2 but I have seen enough that I think is consistent from big. I actually think if you even look at the map pool, there's a good chance they'll get to play, for example, the nuke that they like to play all the time. So mm. I think they can even get like in a favorable position there. I will say the one factor I'll add in from the groups for big is a few of their players did overperform. Like as much as Tabson okay. is a good player and a fragging IGL, like he had ridiculous numbers in that first set of groups. Like that's that's not going to happen every time. You can't expect that. So my, my issue is this. I actually think since G2 still getting their system online, I think big actually got their system already. Big Big even looked slightly better with Keto instead of Tizian. I think actually the pieces are there for the big upset. So I know this is tricky because you put it this way, it doesn't matter which side you go on this one. You always get scared of the other side. If you go for the 1.7, you're like, no, oh, but the underdog was good. If you go for the underdog, you're like, but it's so huge for the favorite. But I actually think I'm going for big on this one. I think basically G2 didn't look quite good enough in those first two games. They didn't do what I hoped, which was just look awesome out the gate. Everything work out and it just get going. Like I said, there's a few things that still haven't figured out. So I think big's actually, I've got, they've got a better flaw for me. So I think they, I think they can nick this one. I'm All willing right. to ride with him. <laughs> you're you're willing to go with it. Um, okay. Uh, I'm trying to like put. Don't do an enormous one, maybe. Just do like a half size. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do we'll do a we'll do a 500. We'll do a 500. Uh, we'll do a 500 on this one. We're there not going to get we're not going to get too deep into it, but do want to get a chance to you know, good have a good return. Have a good return. All right. Finally. We're going to go to NIP versus EG. Now, this is insanely, insanely one-sided. This is about as one-sided as odds get to the degree that it's really not even worth taking the risk of, of predicting NIP. They are at 1.049, which means if you were to predict with $1,000, you get $49 back. I would not do that personally. However, EG is at 8.948. So what I want you to discuss is clearly EG is a huge underdog. Is it insane at almost nine to one odds to put a small amount of money on EG in the random hope that they pull out in a best of three here versus NIP? 
obviously, in theory, it is insane because obviously those odds are ridiculous. But uh, put it this way, I don't think it's necessarily, it might not be as implausible as those odds. I think those odds might be too high. Reasons why being, like, first of all, technically, we only saw two maps from EG, so you don't exactly have a lot of material to scout the new lineup on. There's that. There's also the fact that because they are a new lineup and they're even doing drastic moves like bringing in this guy from Kazakhstan or whatever, like, uh, is that even the country he's from? Might be another country. Let me just double check. Uh, yes, he's from Kazakhstan, sorry. Uh, Neelan, etc. Like, there's even a world where I could even see, like, no, we haven't explored the potential in two maps. Like, maybe, they, maybe they're better than we think. Maybe they play better in this particular match. Then add in, again, it's not like Nip's, like, some unbeatable team. I mean, Nip's a team with a weak Orpa. They don't necessarily have the best IGL. They've got a nice fragging core of players. Even then, some of them are young. They don't have, like, insane experience. They have good experience. So, again, I think the pieces are there where pretty sweet. Obviously, I am not saying that EG will win. <laughs> I am not saying EG is anywhere close to like comparable odds. The, 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 the premise just goes: Can we take a crazy flyer? It have to be small. Obviously, right, better be right. better be small. But if we do, just, maybe just even for the lulls of like, what uh, are you yeah. ever going to see odds we'll, at? We'll, the best we'll, of three? we'll do the lulls. I'm only going to put fifty USDT because the return is almost four fifty. Like, we're not going to lose much if we lose here, but it will be yeah. really hilarious if they actually end up pulling a best of three. And it's really the only way to get value, any kind of value out of this match at all. So that's it. Don't think EG are actually going to win. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the groups. I've, we didn't uh, go shadow box the rest of the, the second gauntlet, and then we'll do the third. Vitality and Navi are waiting. It's my understanding Simple is going to Denmark now, right? Yes. Like he will be there yes. for the next stage. Okay, well, this obviously changes a lot. G2 and Big's current performance. Now, I hope we get to see G2 versus Vitality simply so we get to see these two new rosters going head to head. But th surely this is Vitality versus Navi. The real version of Navi takes this gauntlet. Unless, obviously, like, G2 absolutely comes in night and day, way better, everyone's on form, equal fight. Yeah, I think basically it's almost certainly going to be Vitality Navi, which, by the way, if Simple is back, could obviously be a banger game, and it could maybe even be, like, a foreshadowing of some future matches if Vitality ends up being good. I'll certainly be interested to see what, like, a Spinx-powered Vitality could do against the super-powered Navi. By the way, the joke, obviously, is because Blast, particularly Monty, in the next phase of their tournament, not the showdown, they call it the finals, don't they? That's what they call their land finals from back in the day so the joke would be this usually it's finals you don't know if simple will turn up to there we go whatever, whatever. it's a double meaning of finals yeah. isn't there fancy exactly see sorry all right, final That's it. That's also a really hard bracket, by the way. It's like I said on Twitter. The reason why I don't like this format, Monty, I know there is a million, obviously, other ways you can qualify. It's not like the end of the world. But the reason I don't like it is it's like you've taken, like I said, GSL BO1s. You'd be like, well, BO1's not that great. So put in another thing. It's like, why not make the input at the beginning as strong as possible? Because in this particular case, here's why it's flawed to do it like that. Like, we'll have, G we'll have GSL BO1s, but if anyone gets upset, there's a next phase. Well, if you look at the group that you've made by doing the next phase, you never would have had a group that was Navi, G2 and Vitality but you've now created a path that is G2 Navi, Vitality so the joke is it's like you've used the group to make bad seeding and then made the rest of your tournament with bad seeding so I would just stick to do it great the first time around you know like there won't be any problem because I think that's a fucking murderer's row for your G2 like you have to beat Vitality and Navi or possibly obviously the the drop down in the third match just to get into the tournament like, that's going to be hard that's going to be a hard road and let's be real everyone's scared of Navi yeah, yeah, that makes sense, makes sense. Uh, finally, the last gauntlet is the winner of EG versus NIP has to face Liquid and Heroic. 
this looks like potentially the hardest one unless you as you really to. Yeah. if g2 snaps into form probably the last one would be the most difficult one but based on what we know right now this one seems like it'll be nip facing team liquid and then the winner of that going up against heroic uh i think all three of those teams it, could win this okay all right so this is you think that this one's probably the hardest one to predict yes. overall yeah I mean, if that's the case, you probably do have to give some level of advantage to Heroic because they don't have to play multiple best of threes on like back to back days. Right. They're just going to be sitting there at the end on August 27th when they play. Meanwhile, NIP will have to play a best of three every single day for three days consecutively uh, in order to try and make it out here. Yeah. And I'll even add in as well, I always thought the part about that that is overpowered as fuck if you're in like a future round waiting is Remember, when the game finishes, they're going to go and watch all your... De- you were just watching the game live. You don't even have to wait and then do the extra research. You just watch their game live, and then they play you tomorrow. Like You just get free VOD review, basically. <laughs> yeah, and you have to throw out all your strats to not get eliminated. So really, really hard to run these gauntlets. But as it should be, rewards the placing that you got in the initial best of one GSL group stage. So if you... I know you... It, w- there's not a lot of data on these teams. If I pressed you right now to take a winner, who would it be? Uh, as in which three teams am I taking? Which, which of the three teams, no, which of the three teams in this group are you taking? Oh, Liquid, this NIP, or Heroic? Who's going to win? Because the tough thing is, I think Nip Liquid is such a 50-50. I, 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 my natural bias says to lean slightly towards Nip on that one, so I think then we have Nip Heroic in the final, which again is a super close. I think I probably overall will edge Heroic, but I think this is, like I say, I think this bracket, any of these teams coming out of those three. Got it. Okay, cool. So uh, we'll check in on that one. I'm sure you'll be doing watch parties and updating people on these predictions. We'll try and update our predictions as well, make some additional ones so we can show you those results for next week. We will conclude the Blast Fall groups this week here. uh, And then next week when we do Competitive Edge, it will be for the start of EPL, in which case we should have a lot more information about some of these teams. So thanks a lot for watching. Remember to subscribe. We'll see you next week.